Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive in today's Mornings with Jesus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Jesus. I am so excited you're here. If this is your first time here, welcome. My name is Dominique Young, and I am just excited to study the scriptures with you guys this morning. Um, and if that's something you're interested in, then you are absolutely in the right place. But before we jump in, I want to go ahead and say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live this morning. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Bailey. Good morning, Raquel. Good morning, Shanda. Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Nydia. Good morning, April. Good morning, Lashana. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, Tess. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Donna Lanita. Good morning, Medea. Good morning, Erica. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning, Bevy. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Heather. So excited to see you all this morning or this afternoon or this evening, whatever time it is where you are. I'm just excited that we get the opportunity to study the word together. Good morning, CJ and Shelly and Donita. Every time, Donita, I see you, I like smile on the inside because I remember when we started the fourth quarter Bible press and you were like, mm, I don't know about this morning, getting up in the morning thing. And now I like see you all almost every day. It is absolutely amazing. So I just, this is awesome. God is turning, turning non-morning people into morning people or at least morning people during the weekday. I love it. Amen. Good morning, Steph. Good morning, Shabrina. Good morning. Good morning to you. So excited that you all are here this morning and that we are here to study Joshua chapter 12 this morning. Nidia <laughs> says, uh, Nidia, sorry, says, I'm grateful for peace that God's blessed me with. Can we skip chapter 12? Hmm, kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love when we get to those chapters um, because you never know what God is going to do. But there are some chapters in the scriptures that we're like, oh man, can we just skip this? Um, but I'm telling you, um, I'm telling you that it's amazing. Uh, Donita said, YouTube is not live. Let me know in the comments if you can see me live over here on YouTube. I see you guys. Um, but let me know if you guys can see me over here. Good morning, Roma. Good morning, Shabrina. So glad to see you guys this morning. Let me know in the comments if you guys can see me, if you can hear me over on YouTube. Good. Nydia says, yes, we can. Praise the Lord. Awesome. So glad that you can see me and hear me. And Donita, I'm so glad that we have the app and you guys can see me and hear me over there as well. 
Amen, amen. All right. So before we jump into Joshua chapter 12, before we jump into Joshua chapter 12, let me ask you this question that I ask you every morning. What are you grateful to God for? What are you grateful to God for? And and this morning, can you get like super specific? Like super specific. What are you grateful to God for? Hmm. Brandy says, I'm grateful for the conversation I had with my 15-year-old daughter last night that ended with a thank you, mom. I love you, mom, and a long, loving hug. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Audrey says, I'm grateful for God's refreshing love. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Donita's back in the in the YouTube stream. Hey, sis. She says, praying for peace today. Services today for my aunt. And I'm grateful that I know how to press into God for his peace, not the world's version of peace. Hmm. Hmm. Ellen says, so grateful for God's forgiveness. I'm learning to forgive myself. And learning God really does forgive when we ask, even if it's hard to believe. Hallelujah. Even if it's hard to believe. Hallelujah. Shanda says, I'm grateful for the dream I had this morning. It made me wake up with a smile this morning. I'm praying that God, that's God's way of saying um, that he has me. That saying the boo he has for me in the near future. Amen. Amen. I love it. Amen. Hallelujah. Heather says, I'm grateful for God for a sound mind for my daughter, Lindsay. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Also, um, I see some people having trouble with YouTube this morning. Um, and Donita is letting us know if you go out and come back in, um, it may work for you. That's the, that's the beauty of technology. <laughs> Amen. Nidia says, for me, I'm grateful my morning walks and this time with him. This has been my conversation with Jesus and being in his presence. Amen. Bevy says, I'm so grateful to God to be able to study the book of Joshua. What a journey this is taking me on, especially chapter 12. Come on. All right, chapter 12. I'm excited to see what God's going to do here. Heather says, um, I'm grateful to God for a sound mind. My daughter, Lindsay, she is also says um, she's grateful to God for some other things. And we're going to see what she's going to type in there. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bailey says, praise God. It took me a few tries, but she's in now. Praise the Lord. All right. We're glad you're here. Joanne says, I'm grateful for God's provision. Raquel says, I'm grateful that he helps me in my unbelief. Come on and lets me know that when I'm confused, just to lean into him, trusting that he won't have me fall. Amen. Roma said, I'm grateful that every morning I get to start my day with Jesus. Hallelujah. Good morning, Mary. Erica says, I'm grateful for spring. Me too. I've been seeing the blossoms. I'm like, oh, it's so beautiful. I love it. Shabrina says, I'm grateful for the love and friendship 
of my wonderful God-fearing husband. Never seen a man so passionate about his relationship with Christ. That is beautiful. I love it. I love it. I, I also have a passionate for Christ man. So I know how awesome that is. So thank God for it. Amen. Anna says, I'm grateful to God for another year of life and another opportunity to get my life right. Come on. Margaret says, I'm grateful to uh, for getting a good night's sleep these days. Amen. 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 CJ says, I'm grateful for the ability to get the help that I need and the ability to recognize that I need help. And the ability to recognize that I need help. Hallelujah. Heather says, I'm thankful to God for a loving um, and God-fearing family. Amen. Donita says, I'm grateful for my daughter and husband's love. I don't take for granted that God blessed me with these two specific people. Amen. Bailey says, I'm grateful for learning, not leaning on my own, under, learning to not lean on my own understanding. I'm grateful God doesn't always give me what I want. Woo! Ooh, when you could be grateful for that. I'm grateful that God doesn't always give me what I want as I don't know the long-term effects. Hallelujah. Tess is grateful for God's presence in this community of faith, Mama's tribe. He always shows up and moves throughout our lives. Hallelujah. 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 God is so good. God is so good, y'all. God is so good. I, I want to say that I'm grateful for what God is doing in the Faith Mama's tribe and for every woman who has volunteered their time um, to serve. And it's been an, this has been an absolutely amazing process um, to witness. And so I'm grateful. Come on. April says, I'm grateful YouTube is now awake. Come on, wake up YouTube. We, we here. Come on, get to work in YouTube. Praise the Lord. I love it. YouTube, YouTube had to wipe the crust out of its eyes and now, now it's working. It's, it's awake. I love it. <laughs> Heather says, I'm grateful to God that when I miss out on mornings with Jesus, I can catch up. Thankful for the desire to want to catch up. Come on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, y'all. Well, we are getting ready to pray as we prepare to jump into Joshua chapter 12. Have you ever been in one of those chapters where you're like, oh, it's just a whole bunch of names. Like, oh, I can skip this chapter. Look, I'm telling you, don't skip. Trust God to show up in every single chapter. I've skipped many a chapters. And then I've gone back years later and I'm like, wow, that was a good chapter. It had some things that God wanted to show me. So I'm excited to study this with you all. Um, Amen. Bevy says, as you pray this morning, can you join me in praying for my family? Absolutely. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and jump into prayer as we prepare to jump into Joshua chapter 12. I see Kai in here and Lilith. Kai says, good morning, ladies. Grateful God gave me the strength to make it through the long day of yesterday. Amen. And Lilith says, I'm grateful to God for waking me up early so that I can have time to talk to him before Bible study this morning. Woo, all right, come on now. I love it. I love it. Amen. Heather says, is that a book bag you're carrying or the style of your sweatshirt? It's the style of my sweatshirt. It's a Captain America sweatshirt. No real backpack. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's go ahead and pray. 
Father God, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing and how you're doing it, Lord. We lift up Bevy and her family, Lord. You know the needs, Lord God, you know the hearts. Father, we pray that you lead and guide and set free and deliver in the way that only you can. Father God, we pray that you um, that you just take over whatever situation is there, that you just take over in a mighty way, Lord God, so that they might see your power through their situation. Father God, we pray that as we go into Joshua chapter 12, that you would lead us and guide us and direct us and show us what it is you want us to see here. Lord, we're trusting you that every time we open the Bible, every time we open the scriptures, we're trusting you to lead us, Lord, because we know that without you, Lord, it's just a book. But led by you, it is life change and transformation. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 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 I just want to say that let, let us remember that, that truly the living word is Jesus Christ. The living word is Jesus Christ. So without Christ, right? Without Christ, it's hard to really understand the scriptures, but the living word is Jesus Christ. So through the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ gives us understanding and helps us to connect the, the words on the page to him and his character, right? So that's why we pray every single time we go into the scriptures, because it's not the words on the page that give life, that bring transformation. It is Christ himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if ever you're reading the Bible and you're coming to a place where it's hard to understand, I encourage you to pray, to, to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, right? Because we recognize it's not, it's not just the words on the page. It's not just the words on the page. Amen. Okay. We are in Joshua chapter 12 this morning. Joshua chapter 12. I'll be reading from the CSB translation. You can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. We will read this chapter twice. The first time, feel free to soak it in. Just kind of get a picture of what's going on. The second time, take out your pen, your highlighter, take notes in the margin, underline key words or words that are just jumping out to you. Words that are just jumping out to you. And let's go ahead and jump right in. Here we go. Joshua chapter 12. And it says, The Israelites struck down the following kings of the land and took possession of their land beyond the Jordan to the east and from the Arnon River to Mount Hermon, including all the Arabah eastward. King Sihon of the Amorites lived in Heshbon. He ruled from Aror on the rim of the Arnon River along the middle of the valley and half of Gilead up to the Jabbok River, the border of the Ammonites. The Arabah east of the Sea of Chinnereth to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, eastward through the Beth 
Jeshemoth, and southward below the slopes of Pishkah. King Og of Bashan, of the remnant of the Rethim, lived in Ashrath, Edri. He ruled over Mount Hermon, uh, Salka, all Bashan up to Gershurite and Makathite border, and half of Gilead to the border of King Sihon of Heshbon. Moses, the Lord's servant, and the Israelites struck them down. And Moses, the Lord's servant, gave their lands as an inheritance to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Joshua and the Israelites struck down the following kings of the land beyond the Jordan to the west from Belgad, Belgad in the valley of Lebanon to Mount Helak, which ascends towards Seir. Joshua gave their lands as an inheritance to the tribes of Israel according to their allotments, the hill country, the Judean foothills, the Ereba, the slopes, the wilderness, and the Negev, the lands of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. The king of Jericho, the king of Ai, which is next to Bethel, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, the king of Jezar, the king of Debir, the king of Jedar, the king of Hormah, the king of Arad, the king of Libna, the king of Adullam, the king of Makeda, the king of Bethel, the king of Tapua, the king of Hephir, the king of Aphek, the king of Lesheron, the king of Madon, the king of Hazar, the king of Shimron, Miron, the king of Ashkpha, the king of Tanakh, the king of Megiddo, the king of Kadesh, the king of Joknim in Carmel, the, the king of Dor and Naphnaph Dor, the king of Goem and Gilgal, the king of Tirzah, the total number of all kings, 31. All right, let's read this again. Joshua chapter 12. The Israelites struck down the following kings of the land and took possession and took possession of their land beyond the Jordan to the east and from the Arnon River to Mount Hermon including all the Arabah eastward King Sihon of the Amorites lived in Heshbon he ruled from Aror on the rim of the Arnon River along the middle of the valley and half of Gilead up to the Jabbok River the border of the Ammonites, the Arabah east of the sea, Chinnereth to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, eastward through Beth Jeshemoth and southward below the, the slopes of Pishkah. King Og of Bashan, of the remnant of Repham, lived in Ashtoreth and Edri. He ruled over Mount Hermon, south. Salika, all Bashan up to Jeshurite and the Makathite border and half of Gilead to the border of King Sihon of Heshbon. 
Moses, the Lord's servant, and the Israelites struck them down. And Moses, the Lord's servant, gave their lands as an inheritance to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Joshua and the Israelites struck down the following kings of the land beyond the Jordan to the west from Balgad in the valley of Lebanon to Mount Helak, which ascends towards Seir. Joshua gave their land as an inheritance to the tribes of Israel according to their allotments. The, the hill country, the Judean foothills, the Arabah, the slopes, the wilderness, and the Negev, the the lands of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, the king of Jericho, the king of Ai, which is next to Bethel, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, the king of Jezer, the king of Debir, the king of Gedir, the king of Horma, the king of Arad, the king of Libna, the king of Adullam, the king of Makeda, the king of Bethel, the king of Tapua, the king of Hephir, the king of Aphek, the king of Lasharon, the king of Madon, the king of Hazor, the king of Shimron Miron, the king of Ashkpha, the king of Tanik, the king of Migdo, the king of Kadesh, the king of Jokanem and Carmel, the king of Dor and Naphtheth Dor, the king of Goem in Gilgal, the king of Tirzah, the total number of all kings, 31. Whew. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, first of all, forgive me for all of the mispronunciations. <laughs> um, but Lord God, I thank you. I thank you so much for the opportunity um, to read your word and to read the scriptures, Lord God. And I pray that even in this, you will show us yourself and help us to pull out the timeless truths and pull out what it is that you want us to see. Lord, thank you for including the history. Thank you for including the names. Thank you for including all of it. And Lord, show us during this time what it is that you want us to see. Lead us and guide us and direct us in the way that only you can. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's take a few moments. Let's take a few moments to reflect on Joshua chapter 12. Here we go.
All right, we back. Woo, y'all. Mm, praise the Lord. I'm supposed to be taking Hebrew and Greek in these next couple quarters. And I'm like, help me, Lord, with these names. So if you ever find yourself reading the names and you're like, oh, you're in good company. Amen. Amen. Raquel, thank you for the encouragement. She said, come on, Dominique, with those pronunciation of these names. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. What is standing out to you? Before we jump in, let me give you a little bit of background. I like to do this just in case this is your first time jumping in with us. So basically, we know that the children of Israel, they have been brought out of Egyptian captivity um, by the hand of the Lord through the leadership of Moses. They walked through the wilderness. They were in the wilderness for uh, for 40 years. And then the next generation is now being led by Joshua, who is a warrior of warriors. And they have made war with all of these nations and taken territory from all these nations um, to inhabit a land um, that the Lord had given them. And so now they're kind of listing out all of the kings um, that they have defeated, all of the kings that they have defeated. So that's where we are in the storyline of what's happening with the children of Israel. So CJ said, what stood out to me was the number of kings taken over, the number 31. Come on, the number 31. All right, all right. Mary says, I'm thankful since you were bold enough to read these names. Come on. I'm on here like, all right, let's go. We're going to read these. We're going to read these. So people in heaven probably like, that's not my name. No, that's not right. (laughs) Amen. All right. Nydia says, yes, 30 plus. Keep in mind all the people that died with their kings. Come on. All this chapter was hard to read. And I'm glad that Nydia mentioned that because this chapter talks about the kings, but Nydia brings us back to the fact that these kings represent nations. And that's actually what stood out to me was why did it identify the kings, the king of blank, the blank, the king of this, the king of that? Why did it identify the kings instead of the nations? This Again, the scriptures don't do anything on accident. And so I want to come back to that because I think it's really powerful. Um, Anna said, uh, all I got was that the Israelites acquired a lot of land and there were a lot of kings. Help me, Lord. Come on, let's go. This is where we are. I love it. I love it. Brandy said verse six through eight stood out to her. All right, let's go there. Verse six through eight. And it says, Moses, the servant, the Lord's servant and the Israelites struck them down and Moses, the Lord's servant, gave their land as an inheritance to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Joshua and the Israelites struck down the following kings of the land beyond the Jordan to the west from Balgad in the Valley of Lebanon to Mount Halak, which ascends towards Seir. So what is this talking about? Basically, before Joshua um, defeated all of these nations that were that they list here. Moses also led the Israelites in a few battles as well. And that is the land that was given to Reuben and Gad and Manasseh. And if you remember, you remember those tribes where it said, hey guys, we're about to go in and take the land. You guys already have your land, but come in and fight with your brothers and then you can come back to your land. So that's who he's talking about. The Reubenites, the Gadites and Half the tribe of Manasseh already had their land because they defeated um, these nations 
under the leadership of Moses. Um, and they are going to fight um, again. Okay. Y'all, I want to read some more of these comments. Bailey said uh, something about the names. Verse six, Moses is, Moses remember as the Lord, as the, Moses is remembered as the Lord's servant. Also the list of kings they had to overcome is another example of God's faithfulness. Their names were worth mentioning. Come on, Donita said, aside from Dominique knocking those names out, y'all are too kind. And me picturing maps as she reads them, what stands out to me is the list of names themselves. I heard Jerusalem and thought of lineage. Yeah. Mary said, what sticks out to me is recall what God has done. Come on. Also, he has brought you a mighty long way. Reflect on your victories. Okay, come on. So this is one of those things where she's pulling out a timeless truth. Like, okay, yep, I get it. There's a whole bunch of kings. But what is the timeless truth here? And she says, remember, come on, remember he has brought you a mighty long way. Reflect on those victories. Come on. M Mary says, God did all of this in the wilderness. So he did uh, part of it in the wilderness. And a large part of these battles are happening in the promised land. But Israel has no home at this point. They have no stability. They have no security. Like physically, all of their stability and all of their security during all these battles is in the Lord, right? All of it. They have no, they're, they're no, what we would consider nomads. They don't, they're just traveling. They have to set up their tents every single time they move. So that's, that's good. Come on. Audrey says, God showed them who the real King of Kings is. Okay. Okay. We got to stop here because somebody else mentioned it. And we're going to come here because this is what I wrote here. I'm like, man, God identified the Kings when they're listing this off. God identified the leaders of the nation the leaders of the nations. And one of the, and, and he said, he defeated the leaders of the nations. Now, granted, y'all know Joshua is uncomfortable for me because a lot of people died. I mean, I don't want us to not, not be sober about this, right? Like, and be like, woo, come on. A, a lot of people died, women, children. And it's not like it, it, for me, it's gruesome. But when we look at this and we're looking at the, the, when we're looking at the character of God, we see here that God identifies, they identify the kings of these nations. Why? Because the king is who dictates the ideology, the structure, and the direction of the nation. Come on. The ideology, the, the structure, and the direction of the nation. The leader represents all these things. So when God defeated the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, what is he saying? He defeated the ideologies, the structure, the direction, the whatever they were doing and however they had led that nation, God is basically saying, he is more powerful than the leadership that they had. Whatever those leaders were, were causing them to do. He did the same thing in Egypt. Now, he didn't, he didn't kill Pharaoh. He didn't kill the Egyptians, right? However, he did the same thing. What did he basically do? He, he showed that I am above 
the earthly kings. I am above any earthly government system you can have. I am above any earthly leadership that you can have. I am above all of it. And if you choose, this is this is where it's it's kind of hard, but if, if you choose to follow your king that is leading you down the this road, then unfortunately, you will endure the same punishment uh, as your king. And this is what we have to understand. Throughout the whole battle, throughout all the battles, we constantly see the kings and how they are responding to certain things. Remember, we saw a few kings leave their people in battle and go hide. We saw, we saw other kings try to get their people to go to battle with a nation that was in, in, um, that was in covenant with Israel, right? So a lot of this is a story about who are we following? What is the ideologies, structures, and directions of who we're following? And do the ideologies, structures, and directions of who we're following line up with the king of kings and if they do not we have got to take heed because just because you were a citizen just following what the leader was saying it did not make you not guilty and that's the hard part about all of this, if we really, if we really want to dig into the scriptures, we really want to dive in here. A lot of times we'll say, oh, well, that's just how my, my culture does things. That's just how we do things here. That's just how, that's just how we, this thing is done. But what we see is that God holds responsible the nation for carrying out the work of the king. And we can deal with this with any type of leadership that we may be under. If the leadership is has ideologies, structures, and directions that are not aligned with God, and we continue to blindly follow, we have to understand that we are now one with that that whoever that king is whoever that leader is whatever that system is whatever that structure is we've got to understand that that's how god sees it that we have to understand that that's how god sees it rahab had to choose which king she was going to listen to because remember when the soldiers came to rahab when first the spies came to rahab's house she hid them then the soldiers came to Rahab's house. Who were the soldiers? They were commissioned officers from the king of Jericho. So at that point, she had to choose which king she would serve. Would she tell the soldiers who were commissioned officers of the king of Jericho? Would she tell them? Would she side with the king of Jericho? Or would she side with the king of kings? This is what we have to understand. Rahab, and her whole family was delivered. Why? Because she sided with the king of kings. 
Yes, Joshua is hard to read, but when we look at what's really, when we look at what's really happening here, even though it's hard, even though there's a lot of war, we realize that at some point we have got to determine if who we are following, if who we are following lines up with the ideologies, the structure and the direction of the kingdom of God. If not, and we continue to willingly follow them, we have to realize that the punishment that is designed for the king will then, or the leader will then impact us as the nation that follows them. So they get that, right? We have to really, really understand that. Really, really understand that. Kai says, um, what stuck out to me was the power and strength that God gave Joshua and the armies to defeat this many kings. And when we say kings, we mean nations, right? To defeat this many kings or nations. Just when we don't feel like we have enough strength or power to defeat, God gives us his strength. Romans is the whole chapter. I was kind of turned off at first, but when I read it the second time, come on, second time. Some people are like, why y'all have us read it two times? Because sometimes it's in the second time. She said, I read it the second time and was a reflection of what Israel had been able to accomplish through their, through uh, uh, what, what Israel had been able to accomplish through the grace of God. Come on. Through the grace of God. Kai says, clearly I'm sleepy, but this also gave me Wakanda vibes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mary says, Roma, I'm with you. And I asked God to help me with the revelation and knowledge. I didn't know much at all as the names lost me until a few minutes ago. Yes. And so that is one great thing about reading the scriptures together with one another because something that one person pulls out and something that another person pulls out in the the list of names right why is it important that these names are listed here god is throughout everything god is showing us a story who is god fighting it's not the people we've got to get this who is god fighting it's not the people he shows us this over and over and over again and we see it in the we see it in the scripture. Somebody pull up the scripture where it says, "We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and rulers in high places." Right? God is showing us over here and throughout. A lot of people died. A lot of people died, and this is why it's hard for me. Nidia said it's hard for her. A lot of people say it's hard for them. Joshua is just a hard book. I'm like, how in the world does anybody love this book? It's hard. It's a whole bunch of war. But we have to understand the character of God. Who is God fighting? It's not the people, but the people are are suffering the consequences. Who is he actually fighting? The rulers. This is what we have got to understand. The people that we put ourselves under, if we're not thinking about it, their ideologies, structures, and directions impact us. Thank you, Ms. Margaret. She says, Ephesians 6, 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in high places. The, the whole, from Egypt, the fight was not against the Egyptian people, but the Egyptian people 
had impact? Who was the fight? When Moses came to talk to Egypt, who did he talk to? Pharaoh. Why? Because it was Pharaoh who was dictating everything that happened in that nation. So we have to understand this. We have to identify who we are following and do their ideologies, structures, and directions follow after God or have we turned a blind eye to some of the things that they're doing that are not godly? This is super important. That's why people say pray for your leaders. If you're not praying for your leaders, start today. Why? Come on. Why? Why say pray for your leaders? Because your leader is going to lead the country or lead the organization or lead that job or lead that school in the direction of their ideologies, their structure, their direction. And then the way they lead, people are going to follow them. And and as people follow them in that direction, it then holds not just the leader responsible, but the entire nation, the entire system, the entire organization. So we have to understand that God's God is tearing down governmental structures that do not align with the kingdom. He's doing it physically here. And then we see him in the New Testament doing it spiritually. But then we have to understand that we are not without responsibility, much like Rahab, much like Gibeon. When we come into contact with the king of kings and the king of kings says, the way this leadership is going is not godly, we then have a choice and a decision to make. Will we continue to follow and do things that we know are not godly because that's how the culture does it? That's just how my culture is. God had to get on me and somebody's going to be like, Dominique, come on now. But no, seriously, God had to get on me. And this is not, this is not a condemnation thing. This is a, hey, let's open our eyes. So, because we're reading a tough book. This is not, God is not like, ooh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's challenging. And it calls you to question who you're following. A couple of days ago, God got on me about using, I was using, you know, a a system on my TV that's kind of like, if you guys know about Cody, it's kind of what they call the jailbroken fire stick. I don't know if I should be saying this out loud, but anyway, I was using it and I was like, well, this is what everybody does, right? Everybody uses a jailbroken fire stick to get access to the movies earlier and so that you don't have to go to the movie theaters and pay all your money to go to the movie theaters to go see the movie. And yeah, this is just what everybody does. This is what the culture does. God had to be like, but it's not godly. It's stealing. 
And I, I sat there and I was like, well, God, you know, I mean, I'm not really, it's not really stealing. I mean, it's just, it's just what we do. Like we have access to the technology. It's just like what the culture does, you know, God, it's just, and the Holy Spirit was like, no, no, I don't know. This is, this is not godly. You're following the culture. When I, when I, when I told you to follow me. And so therefore, when I judge this corruption, you're siding with it. You got to pick a side. You got to pick a side. And I I mean, there's so many cultural things that we're like, oh, God, everybody does it. It's just how we do things. But God is showing us, but when I come to judge the system that set this up because it's not godly, you do recognize that you are holding on to that system. So you're gonna you're gonna be impacted. You got to let the system go so that so that when that system is, is judged, you will not be in, you will not catch the ricochet, you will not catch the effect. Rahab had to choose. She couldn't be like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, no, like, can I like stay in my house? Like, because I really like my house, but can you like just like not, you know, mess up my house? Like, just mess up everything else. Like, I kind of want to stay in my city. Like, I got, no, 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 no. You're going to have to leave the systems, the ideologies, the structure, and the direction of any kingdom that is not godly. You're going to have to leave the ideologies, the system, the structure and directions that is not godly because God is not trying to destroy the people. He shows us over and over. It's the kings. It's the ideologies. It's the way this thing is set up. Come on, Lenita says, same here. I was called out about an energy audit of my home that I had given, I had to give in, income information. I left nothing out. Normally I would have because that's what we do, right? We just kind of leave, they don't need to know all that. We just kind of leave them out. And I ended up not qualifying, but God was pleased and he provided what I needed to work my home to be more efficient. I had peace of mind, heart, and spirit before the Lord and that was worth it. Come on. God's like, you're going to have to choose a side. You're going to have to choose a side. You can't sit here and and, and get food stamps and then get paid under the table because you don't want to put the thing on the food stamps because they'll take your food stamps away. God's like, no, no, no. You're going to have to choose a side. Well, God, that's how everybody does it. That's That's how the culture does it, Lord. But now you're guilty. You're going to have to choose a side. And and the sad thing about this is we've got kings in this situation leading the people. And even though the kings were wrong, the people followed them. And then guess what they did? They taught their children to do it too. And now the children guilty. So we've got to understand, we've got to choose a side. 
Ellen says, let go of everything and trust God. We've got, we can't, well, God, this is how to, this is how the culture do it though. But is it, it's not godly though. So that system or that structure is going to come down. Eventually God's going to deal with the system and the structure. Are you going to be caught up when he deals with it? Gotta choose a side. Well, this is just how, and I, this is on my toes too. It, it, it's like, oh my goodness, but we gotta choose a side. You gotta choose a side. Because God is not, he's not coming after you individually. It's like this system that's just not godly. Romans says guilt by association, choose wisely. You know it's wrong. But you're going along with it. Well, it's just how we do things. But you know it's wrong. Rahab was like, nah, I know they wrong. I know they about to lose. And I ain't I ain't choosing their side. I'm like, mm-mm, no, no, no. You got to choose a side. You got to choose a side. What do you do sometimes? Like, and, and, and God had to get on me one time. Like, cause God will, will tell you, the question is, will you listen to him? The same thing goes for these nations. It's sad, but we know God, God ain't going to sneak up on you. You knew. And you didn't choose his side. God is not, we've seen throughout scripture. God is not going to sneak up on you. He's going to give you. He gave Rahab the same information he gave the kings. Rahab had her own individual choice to make. Rahab knew, and she said, everybody in my nation know that the, the, the king, that the God of Israel is fighting on their behalf, and everybody in this nation know that the God of Israel is going to come up here and judge us. Everybody knows. Everybody's courage has failed them, but Rahab was the only one that stood up and did something about it. So God does not not tell you, right? And maybe some of us, this is the way God is telling us. Like, oh, I never even thought about, uh, you know, you know, all this stuff. I never thought about that. God had to get on me. I wanted my kids to go to this was this was two years ago or so. I wanted my kids to go to a school that was outside of their their district, outside of the the, the, what they were zoned for. This was a couple of years ago. And there was a school that was near my mother-in-law's house. And it was a good school. And so I was like, oh, bet. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fill this paper out. And I'm just going to say that we live here. I'm going to send a few bills like over there. Maybe we could pay for a few things. Like I had a whole master plan. And then I asked somebody else about it. And they knew how to do it because they'd done it before. They're like, oh, yeah, girl, all you need to do is make sure you send this bill over there and like basically make sure they think you live in this place. Because you want your kid to go to this school. Pad the case, right? And the Holy Spirit comes knocking on my heart. Knock, 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 knock. But, but you're lying. 
And I'm like, well, God, people do it all the time, Lord. Because, and then of course, what do I do? I try to justify and I say, well, God, if the system was just better and they had better schools around the areas I live in, then I wouldn't have to do this, God. But because the system is corrupt and God had to stop me. So because the system is corrupt, you have to be. Well, no. But the system isn't right, God, and they, they're not giving the finances and the money that these schools need in the lower income areas, God. And, and and God had to stop me. My circumstance does not give me a free pass to align myself with things that are not godly. I can't deal with a corrupt system through my own personal corruption and then say, oh God, but you know, I, I don't got, I'm not, I'm not involved. That's not how it works because guess what happens? If God, if God does something where everybody that's doing this gets caught, and gets tried, guess what? I'm not protected because God told me, don't do this. And I did it anyway. That's what we have to understand. God is God. He is good. And when he comes for a system, if I'm caught up in the system, I'm going down with the ship too. Does it mean I'm still saved? Yeah, I'm still saved. Jesus saved me and all that stuff. But it means that the punishment that's coming down the pipe for people that do this corruption is going to hit me too. Because I'm caught up in it. The punishment that was coming down the pipe for Pharaoh hit the people of Egypt. Why? Because they were caught up in it. Eventually, the people of Egypt had to stand up and be like, Pharaoh, please let these people go. Enough. The people had to stand up and be like, look, the, the officials and things, You, we got to let these people go. This is getting out of control now. There comes a point and a time where we have to stand up for what's what for God's kingdom, for God's side, because the, the truth of the matter, we'll see it throughout here, is that it's not individual things. It's the it's a it's a structure, it's ideologies, it's a direction of a group of people that God is coming for. This is why, come on, Donita said, wives, pray for the leaders of your home. Somebody once said something that I felt like, oh my gosh, when they said it, I was like, that is not, that is not Bible. They said out loud on a pulpit, they said, well, women, if, you're, if your husband leads you in an ungodly path, your hands are clean. 
That is not true. So if you've ever heard that, that's just not Bible. It's not scripture. So, so we may be living or uh, loving and married to an unbeliever. And I, that's, that's fine. That's just where I am. I'm married to an unbeliever. That does not give me as a believer in Christ the right to then do things that would be upsetting to God. Well, it's just the leader. This is how the leader of the home, you know, the leader of the home told me to go rob this bank. So God, I shouldn't be getting the punishment. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. That's not how it works. Now you can't force your husband to do nothing. You pray for your leader and then you stand in righteousness. Right? Same thing we do for a country. We pray for the leader and then we stand in righteousness. Come on, Donita said, upsetting to God, not the same as I have a different idea. Come on, tell that truth. Tell that truth. It's not, oh, um, I, I, I think the kids should go to this school. And he say the kids should go to that school. And, you know, he ain't really saved. So I'm right. No, no, no. That's not, that's not it. Not it. Flag on the play. Right. However, if your spouse is like, you know, I, I, I want to rob this bank. Or if your spouse says, look, I'm going to use Cody. I'm going to use all these things that, that are um that are cheating the system. I'm going to use the things. I know I'm stealing. I don't care. I'm going to use it. Okay. Pray for them and don't you use it. And they might be like, oh, babe, come on, watch this movie. I'm sorry, babe, but I, I can't because... I know that those movies are are, um, being stolen from the creators and we're not paying for them. So I can't in good conscience watch them. I can't. I'm not making you do nothing. I'm going to pray for you. Right? But if if, if, if your spouse is doing something, you know is not godly. God has already called you out on it. You pray for them and you stand for righteousness. You are not exempt. Oh, well, he the leader of the home and he said we're going to lie on these here taxes. No, I mean, he might do the taxes and there might be someone you stand for righteousness. You say, babe, this is not right. He might do the taxes. It might still be lies on it. That's when you go and you pray and you seek God and you ask God for forgiveness. But you don't just glaze over like nothing happened. Following blindly. This is what, because the thing about it is when God judged Egypt, when he judged these nations, it wasn't like the, it wasn't little things. It was how the whole system and structure was built. Linnaeus says, what about the children in that situation? Ooh, come on. And this is what we have to understand about the character of God throughout the scriptures. And it's hard. It's hard. I'm not saying that it's not hard. This is hard. This is hard. Just hard. (laughs) What about the children in the situation? The children are going to catch. This is just, this is just the reality of it. The children are going to catch 
a portion of the um, of the consequence if someone doesn't stand up for righteousness. They are. They are. It's sad, but it's true. And we know it's true. And we know it's true. Think about if you have a husband who is involved in gang activity. Let's just put it out like this. If you have a husband that's involved in gang activity, basically he's playing Russian roulette with his life. However, the question then becomes, well, are the children guilty of his gang-related activity? No, but they are in danger. This is what we have to understand. They're not guilty, but they're in danger. This is what we've got to get and what we've got to understand about about how consequence happens and about why it's important to stand up for righteousness, even when it's uncomfortable. Right? Lenita said, depending on the age. So we tell the children and then give them a choice of daddy is asking them to watch a movie and mommy says, says no. So at this, at this stage, so let's say we have Cody, right? Since we're going this way. So we have Cody. If, if you guys don't know what Cody is, it's just like one of those systems where you steal. <laughs> let's just call it what it is. You steal in movies and you steal in TV shows. You know what I'm saying? And daddy is like, we're going to watch this movie. I don't care. Right? We're going to watch this movie. I don't care. Mommy is saying, I'm going to stand up for righteousness and I'm not going to watch the movie. And then the children, daddy's saying, children, watch this movie with me. One of the things that we cannot discount is the power of prayer. There there are certain things in parenting where I know that there's certain things in parenting where I'm like, God, you got to help me. And that's one of them, right? You pray, you seek the Lord. If there is gang activity and your husband is in gang activity and you are sitting there with your kids, get up out the house. Get out. Get out the house. Get out the house. I'm just going to tell you like it is. If they, You're like, nope, because if, if judgment comes for this person and their activity, it is going to kill my kids. Get out. If you're at a, if you are at a place where it's like, well, Lord, this movie is not necessarily going to kill my kids, but I know that it's not right. Lord, please give me direction to go because I don't want to to undermine my husband and in, in, in the presence of my kids and things like that. And I just, you pray. But let me tell you something. There are certain things that God said, don't do and don't let your children have no parts in. And when that warning comes, you get out the camp. I, I'm, you do. 
Jessica says, bingo, Dominique, that's where I was going. If they come shoot you and the house because of some kind of relation, the kids at home um, are, are going to be shot up too. This is what we've got to understand, that God is showing us that we don't want to see, but it's real whether we believe God or not. The leadership that we decide to put ourselves under and look the other way when they're doing corruption, when judgment comes, we are in the line of fire. This is what we've got to understand. Yes, Jesus saves. Yes, Jesus loves. But God is also saying, hey, there is some unrighteous things going on. And you know it. And I've asked you to stand for righteousness and you refuse to because it's just how the culture does it. So when I come and then you're also praying for God to judge this corruption and God to come in and you're wondering why God hasn't come in and fixed it. And he said, I haven't come in and fixed it because you're wrapped all up in it. If I come in and fix this situation, do you realize that you are directly in the line of fire? You've got to come out from her, the scriptures say. You've got to come out from the corruption. You've got to separate yourself from the corruption. You can't be saying, God, judge the evil in this world. God, judge it. And you wrapped in it. It goes for in your home. It goes for in your country. It goes for at your job. Because when we pray, you have to understand, there are Christians all over the world praying for God to judge the evil in the world. And God is like, I need my kids to come out from among it. Because the one king that impacted the whole nation had had his hands in a variety of parts of people's lives. It was ideology, structure, and direction. So when we come to God, not in a condemning way, like God's going to get me, right? But when we come to God, we have to be honest, Lord, is there any systems or structures or ideologies that I've attached myself to because it's the culture, but it's not kingdom? It's not God's kingdom. Are there some things in my life that I've just been like, oh, I know they're wrong. You've told me they're wrong and I keep doing it because I feel like the culture gives me a pass. We, we see this list of kings. Why? Because that's actually what God was judging. The kings. Why? Because the kings dictated the culture. But at some point, the people had to decide if they, they valued their culture or if they were going to side with this new, this God they saw. And, and, and again, this brings us to Rahab. Because Rahab gave us a very important clue. She said, everybody knows. So it wasn't that God didn't tell them. She said, everybody knows. Everybody knows that God is, of Israel is coming. Everybody knows. 
and their hearts are failing because of it. But only she was willing to be like, nah, I choose this. I choose this side. The soldiers and the 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 and everybody was still looking to try to defeat, try to defeat the kingdom of Israel. Come on. Jessica said I was going to ask. Hey, girl, ask it. You could dive it in there if it's too deep. You know, I'll be like, ooh, and then I'll follow up. But ask. Who knows? Maybe somebody got the same question. But when we see. So this is why I say God is very specific. In what he does scripturally. So when you see him say the king of Jericho the king of Ai, the king of Jerusalem. You realize who he was fighting. This is why it was huge, that chapter that said that the kings ran away while the people were still in battle getting slaughtered. This was important because it showed that the kings that you're following, they don't even care about you. And they don't, they the ones got you wrapped up in this mess. And they over there hiding, trying to save their own lives. They don't care about you. So, so and, and that's what they are. Stop choosing kingdoms. I don't care. Because, because the ideologies and the structures and the directions that they pass to you and that you accept, even though you know it's wrong. God says, I'm going to judge you for it. You got to understand what these kings were doing. Some of them worshiped Molech, and we learn about this later. What did Molech do? Molech literally says, um, take your babies and sacrifice them by burning, putting them on an altar and burning them up. And this was the way their system and structure was set up. And people were doing it. You think God didn't tell them, don't do that? They did it anyway. You think there weren't some mamas in there that got a, a sinking pit stomach feeling that when they was burning their babies as a sacrifice to God, you think they didn't feel like, uh. <laughs> they did it anyway. Ooh, Jessica going to put me on the spot. Come on, let's just go ahead on. She said, well, it's concerning like homosexuality. She says, in this time, it has become normalized. It's so scary. And many believers are sort of per se, say, are even being accepting of it because it's their loved ones. And this is a really good question. <laughs> it's a hard question. And it's one I'm like, Lord, but hey, it's out there, right? This is the same Thing as a spouse or what have you. You stand for righteousness and you pray. That's it. You stand for righteousness and you pray. Right? I can't make anybody not do anything, stop doing anything or whatever, but I can stand for righteousness. What does that mean? That I, this is going to, this is going to hurt a little bit, but that I stand for righteousness when I vote, 
that I stand for righteousness when I, you understand that I stand for righteousness when I make decisions about certain things that I stand for righteousness. And that's where it gets hard, especially in our political climate, because you're like, well, I vote for this person and they got this amount of unrighteousness and I vote for this person. They got this amount of unrighteousness. I don't know who to vote for. Right. But we take God with us in all the situations and how we deal with everything. I stand with for righteousness with what I lend my voice to. What I say, how I use my social media platforms. I stand for righteousness in those areas. I can't make anybody do anything. Everybody has to make their own choice, but I stand for righteousness. I'm not going to force you. I'm also pretty against like picketing and all that stuff. Me personally, like I've seen people like picket sign, you know, uh, the, the gay pride parades and I've seen people picket sign abortion clinics. Like I just don't understand I don't see that. I mean, I don't. Teachers on you follow the Lord, right? But I stand for righteousness and I follow God. That's it. I don't, I'm not making you, I'm not like, you've got to do this. Like Rahab, she was like, look, they said, whoever comes in your house, they'll be saved. So she got all her relatives that were willing to come. She couldn't force them. We don't know if all her relatives made it to the, to the, to the safe house. All she could do is tell them and say, hey, this is what the spies said. They said that, you know, judgment's coming. We know that. We already know that. But if you get in this house and then you offer it, but you can't make them, right? But my responsibility, this is what we have to understand. My responsibility is to stand for righteousness. Now, granted, I think I did a, just now I did a, a horrible, real quick breeze through when it comes to a very deep concept like homosexuality. Like that is, that requires some unpacking. And I've been work, I've been praying and seeking the Lord on how to unpack that. Cause I know there's women here that have children that are um, in a homosexual lifestyle, that have friends that are in a homosexual lifestyle, that have, you know, so it does require a lot of unpacking, right? But the, the concept is the same. My job is to stand for righteousness and what God says is righteous. I can't make anybody else do it. But I also can't say, well, since everyone else is doing it, I get a pass. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. And, and we have to remember that this is the same God in the New Testament. So we can't write off the Old Testament. Some people want to write off the Old Testament. We can't. It's the same God. It gives us a picture of how he does things. God is not coming after the people. He's coming after the government and the structures and the ideologies and things. But if you are caught up in those things, then you refuse to separate yourself from the look we say we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and rulers in the high places we say that but if you're in bed with one of those rulers when judgment comes for the ruler you're gonna bear some of those consequences this is what the book of revelation shows us people being in bed with stuff because it seems to fit them in the moment. And then when those things get judged, 
we gotta, we've got to come out of her. So the scripture said, come out of, come out of Babylon. <laughs> come out of Babylon. And, and you follow God and what God is telling you to do. And the culture may not accept that. But the truth of the matter becomes, you are going to, we are all going to have to make a decision. Choose this day who you will serve. Because yes, God is our father. Yes, God is our friend. But God is also God. And there are some things that we have been talking to God about that are we know that are evil, but we don't realize that some of our actions are wrapped up in it. God had to get me on this, this understanding human sex trafficking and all these things. He's like, you're, you realize that you're praying for it to end human trafficking, slavery in other countries. He's like, you realize that you're praying for it to end, but you're still buying the shoes that are made by the people that you know, because I've told you. The people that make the shoes on your feet are working in horrible conditions, barely getting paid. You've seen the commercials, you know. And you're praying and praying, Lord. And God's like, take the shoes off your feet. Get out of the bed with them. And yes, it may make you feel crazy. Like, Lord, I feel like I got to change everything. But God is only requiring us to, to, to address things he's told us. That he's told us about. He's not trying, he's not trying to get us to go and nitpick every area of our lives. But he's telling us the things that I've told you. I am letting you know. That you are, you are connecting yourself with a kingdom, with a ruler, with a power, with a principality that is not like my kingdom. We have to understand that scripture when it talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Oh, I need to go there because we keep talking about it. That scripture... Um, that says we wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Where is it? Where is that? Somebody typed it in. Ephesians? We about to go, I promise. I feel like somebody typed it in. Let me go over here. I think it was Miss Monica. Ephesians 6, 12. Let's just go there. Okay, really quickly, and we're about to close because we have to understand what, what, what is happening here. So this is Paul, and he's talking to the church in Ephesus. So we have to understand a little bit of something about Ephesus. 
the structure in, in Ephesus was that they worshiped a goddess called Artemis. This was a goddess of fertility, a goddess, of, and they had certain things that they would do um, to worship this God. We find out about that, that in Acts. But in Ephesians 6, he says, finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Come on. God's, God's fight has never been against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. So the concept that Paul is saying here is that, hey, there is stuff that's happening higher than us that's impacting how stuff happens here. And we've got to be willing to stand. What does he say? Stand against it. He doesn't say fight against it. He doesn't say like, um, He's a we've got to be able to stand for righteousness. We've got to make a choice. And the choice is dealing with the things that God is actually talking to you about. If he's talking to you about it today, he might have convicted a whole bunch of us about some of the 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 streaming platforms that we're using to get free stuff, knowing that we're stealing, but everybody doing it. God's like, that's not right. That's not right. Everybody's doing it, but it doesn't make it right. You're going to have to stand for righteousness. You're going to have, people are going to not going to be happy with you. You're going to have to follow what I say. You're going to have to stand up. You can't halfway stand up. Because as the scripture shows us, God is not coming after me individually, but it's the system that I've attached myself to. It may be full of corruption and I am standing in it, benefiting from it. So when God comes to, to, when God comes to address that king or that ruler or that situation or that structure that is ungodly, because again, we say God is after souls. And if you've built a whole structure, a whole nation, a whole kingdom, a whole system, that takes people away from God or that puts them in situations and systems of corruption. He's going to come for that system. But when he does, but when he does, anybody has, that has attached himself to that system, that corruption is therefore guilty. We have to understand that. That's why he says the king's of Jerusalem, the king of this, the king of that, because that's what he was after. But, but there was a whole nation of people that had connected themselves to that king and refused to leave the king, even though even though they knew God was coming to judge. Even though they knew 
and people won't like you for it. But right, my my job is to stand for righteousness. And I see some things coming into the comments, man. We've got to talk. We've got to really talk through this because I think it can go left really fast, right? So somebody had mentioned, somebody had mentioned that somebody was pregnant and having a baby out of wedlock. And so the person refused to go to the baby shower. Now, we have to understand this is, we're not trying to punish sin. We just don't want to stand with it. Our job is not to punish it. So this is what I mean. When, if somebody is around you, like for instance, friends would come to my house and I had a stance against fornication, right? Because of what the scripture said. So they would come to my house with their boyfriend. And I would say, well, you can't, y'all can't sleep in the same room. And if we didn't have enough rooms in the house, they would have somebody would have to get a hotel, right? Or somebody could sleep in a dining room or something. But you, even though you slept in the same room, even though you slept in the same room before, in my house, the stance is you can't. Now, those same friends, so this is how you have to understand those same friends would sleep in the same rooms together when they were not in my house. I knew that. And they know my stance, right? And then they got pregnant out of wedlock. I went to the baby shower. Why? Because the baby is not, is not the sin. So this is why I say you got to understand what you're standing for. I'm not trying to say, I told you, the baby is not the sin. The fornication, I stood against fornication. So, you get what I'm saying? So you gotta be, you we've gotta understand. So I went to the baby shower. Cause why? The baby's not the sin. There's just things that in my house we won't do, even if I know you're doing it other places, and I will talk to you about it and I'll tell you, hey, you know what the scripture say? Yeah, yeah, I know what the scripture say. Okay, girl, you know, I just because I know I struggle with that too. And there was a friend that stood up in me and said, when I went try to come to her house trying to do that, she was like, nah, we're not doing that in my house. I know that you do it other places, but we're not doing it in my house. Right? But 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 when the baby comes, the baby here, the baby ain't the sin. That's why we have to draw, you know, me standing again. This is just me. And we, again, you have to pray, seek the Lord, all this stuff. What God, what stance do you want to take? What stance do you want me to take? Because for me, I'm like, the baby here, what? The baby's here. The baby is, I'm excited to meet this baby. Right? So this is not some weird, like, I pray that we know that this is not some weird, like, let me just, just, I don't know. This is God. What are the things you want me to stand for? 
And honestly, before I even start standing against other people's sin, I've got to I've got to take Lord, help me. There's some things that I am in the bed with. Lord, show me me. Show me the areas of culture that I've just swept under the rug. And this is this is why this one little chapter with a whole bunch of king's names. This is why we dig in. Don't stop this conversation because we're leaving here, right? Don't stop the conversation because and people I'm glad you guys are putting your your questions in. People are saying you know, I have a child that's identifying as bisexual or I have a situation. These are real questions. We're going to start tackling some of these. Put them in the app because this is real. When people start saying stand for righteousness and God is love, how do those things exist together? What is my, what should my stance really be? And if you don't know yet, don't move, right? If you know what God is calling you to do, stand firm in what God is calling you to do. But if you don't know how God is is calling you to do something, don't move yet, right? Seek the Lord, pray, because my responsibility is to choose God's side, which means I've got to connect with him. But I also have to realize that there are systems, structures, and, and, and ideologies that God will judge because they are evil. And we don't like to talk about it, but it's true. And God is saying there are systems and structures and ideologies that I will judge but you've got to get out the bed with it. There are some things that God is trying to separate us from so that he can deal with the evil of the situation. He did the same thing in Sodom and Gomorrah. A lot of times people identify Sodom and Gomorrah as just a place of homosexuality. That is not true. Sodom and Gomorrah was a this had nasty control issues all it says all the men which means the leaders of the whole entire nation all the men would come out and rape another man that came in their city almost like an initiation practice if you came in their city and you were another man they were gonna rape you it was about control, it was about power, it was about dominating, and it was evil, and it was sick, and God came and judged the land. But God said he took Lot and his family out of that situation, but his wife turned back, looked back, because why? She was wrapped up in it, even though it was evil. And this is what God's saying, you've got... If you don't come out of it, 
It will impact you too. Even if I want to get you, save you from it. He he literally took Lot's wife out of the land, put her on the run. They had, they, the angels had to like take their hands and throw them out the city. And she still looked back. Why? Because a lot of her was wrapped up in that, that area, that culture, even though she knew it was evil. And we see that Lot didn't stand up against the evil. While he was there, he was willing to give his daughters to these crazy rapist men. Instead of standing for righteousness, he knew they were doing it. He didn't stand for righteousness. He tried to give his daughters to these men. Oh, God still tried to save his family. And because they were so wrapped up in the comfort of the culture, his wife turned back and looked to and want and desired to be back there. Was she raping people? No, but she was okay. She was okay with turning the other eye when someone else was. So, so this is why I say, Get in the presence of God and we'll keep having this conversation. I don't know what it's going to look like, how we're going to talk about it. We'll keep having this conversation because it does go deep. And there's a lot of things like, how do we stand without looking like a, like being mean and, and, and Bible thumping and hit people over the head with Bible and stuff like that. And, and like, what is our stance really? What should our stance truly be? making sure we're getting our stance even from God and not culture. Cuz can I can I be honest? Can I can I say something? It's very possible that God asks you to stand against homosexuality and then tells you to go to somebody's wedding. It's possible. Why do I say that? Because our job is to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. We've got to understand this. My job is to stand for righteousness and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's very possible. I've seen it happen. Where someone had a very clear stance. Their friends and family knew that they were standing for what God said in the scriptures. And they were standing um, and saying that, you know, homosexuality was a sin. They stood up. They stood on that. Right. But then God told them to go to this wedding. And so they went. This is what we have to understand. Was God, did God stand for drunkenness and all this stuff? And no, but yet you see Jesus eating with prostitutes and drunkards and all this stuff. This is why I say we've got to get our direction from God. Posture our hearts to stand for righteousness and understand what that stance looks like from God. Because people can try to give you a five-step process of what it looks like, and it may not be God's process. So make sure, make sure you're getting your process for what this looks like from God. What does this look like? 
Lord, how do I stand for righteousness? When God starts tap, 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 tapping on your heart and saying, hey, that thing right there, I need you to stand against it. Your next question need be, what does that look like? For Rahab, it looked like taking spies in her house. Tap, tap, tap. What does this look like? Lord, help me. But the first step is I got to understand that, that there are some things that I'm standing for that I should not be standing for. And that I don't get a pass just because I love Jesus. There are some consequences that will happen if I continue to lay in the bed with these ideologies and these things. Right. And we're going to talk. We got to talk more about it because there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack, a lot to unpack here. And it's not it's not a cookie cutter way to do it. Peter and Paul have very different and unique ministries. They had different ways they did things through the leading of the Holy Spirit. We got to understand that. But the biggest thing is that when God starts tapping and saying, hey, I need you to stand for righteousness in this area. We've got to be willing to say, yes, Lord, how would you like me to do that? What is it that you would like me to do? We're going we gonna to pray out because this is. All we did was read the names of some kings, y'all. And God just like, this is why I say that the whole, the, we got to understand that, that Jesus Christ is the word, the living word. And he, he'll blow up something and it'll be. So don't stop here, guys. Please don't stop here. Don't stop at this mornings with Jesus. Carve out some time in your day. Put it in your calendar right now. Put it, put an alarm to carve out some time in your day and begin to pray and seek the Lord on God. Are there any things that I've attached myself to that you want me to stand against? Let's start there. Things like things that I'm doing in my life that that the culture says is okay, but you're saying it's not okay. Right? Let's start there. It's It's easier to start there. Then we'll start talking about, let's, 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 in the, in the chat, in Faith Mama's chat, start asking all of the questions, type down all the questions that you have in there about what does my stance look like when friends and family are doing things that I know that the Lord is against? What should my stance be then? But first, we've got to recognize that there are some things that we ourselves are, are, are allowing. And God's saying, I need you to stand up. Okay. 
feel like I need to, we need to talk about this one. Ah, Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we thank you, Lord God, that you show us that it's not, it's not the individual things, it's the systems and the structures, the kingdoms and the leaders and the principalities that are over certain things that are causing the people to do things that you want us to stand against those things through the power of the Holy Spirit. But Father God, that you are helping us to recognize that there are things that we ourselves are lying in the bed with because it's acceptable to the culture, even though we know it's not acceptable for you. Lord, help us in our own lives Help us in our own lives. Stand for righteousness. In the name of Jesus. Help us in our own lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This was hard. This was hard. But I think it was good. We're going to go. And I want to leave you with this. God is asking you to be responsible for you. You are not responsible for making someone else change. You understand that? You are not responsible for making someone else change. You are responsible for living righteously in front of other people. You are responsible for living righteously. As righteously as the Lord gives you strength. You are responsible for listening and hearing God. You are not responsible for making someone else do the same. Only the Holy Spirit can change someone from the inside out. Okay, only the Holy Spirit can change someone. So I pray that that resonates with you. God is not asking you right now to figure out how to stand. Let me just be real. He's not asking you right now to figure out how to stand against people. He's saying, hey, in your life, there are some things I'm asking you to stand for. Righteousness. There are things I'm asking you to do in your life. 
Do those things. Don't write them off. Don't write them off because the culture seems to give it an okay. Just because the culture gives it an okay, just because the culture says you can you can um, look at stolen movies on your TV, or just because the culture says, oh, well, you don't really need to put all that information on your taxes because you know they're just going to take your money. Just because the culture says you can cheat, just because the culture says you can steal, just because the culture says you can do these things. Come on. This is, this is a, I pray that we get this. This conversation is about you and me. And the kings and kingdoms we have been choosing to align ourselves with. Really it is. In our lives, the little things that we've been ignoring, that's what God is addressing with us today. That's what God, I really believe that. And I don't want to leave without really driving this home. That's what God is addressing with us today. The fact that you're screaming and shouting at your kids, cursing at everybody in your household. And God has said, this is not righteous behavior. And you keep doing it because everybody else is doing it. This is the way you get kids to listen. And you feel the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart saying, this is not right. I need to teach you another way. But you keep washing them to the background. You keep shouting and you keep cursing and you keep calling them out their names. Because the culture around you do it. That's what God, I believe that's what God is coming for today. We cannot keep doing things in alignment with the corrupt culture. In alignment with the corrupt culture. Some of us are guilty by association and some of us just playing guilty because we're doing the thing. Stand in your own life. Allow God to show you the areas of your life that you have been okay with living the way the culture dictates, even though you know that the kingdom of God is saying something different. There's somebody here. I don't know if you're live on a replay. God has been saying to you, the shoes on your feet. You know that they have been, they have used human trafficking to, to design the shoes on your feet and you keep wearing them. God is saying you need to get rid of the shoes. That is what this conversation is about. It's about you and it's about me. The culture does not give us a pass to not follow the righteousness of God. 
Amen. Woo! Today was deep. I'm excited to see what God does with all this. I got to decompress. But make sure you make some time today. Give God like 15, 30 minutes to really talk to you about what, what areas in my life. Lord, have, have I been allowing the culture to give me a pass on actions that I know do not line up with your kingdom? This is not a message of condemnation. This is just the heart of God. Come out from among Babylon, right? It's just the heart of God. Like, comment, share, and subscribe. I think this was the longest mornings with Jesus we've ever done. So do me a huge, huge favor. Go to the comment section and write your big takeaways because there's going to be a whole bunch of people that ain't going to get to an hour and 50 minutes. It's almost, we always do that this for two hours, right? So please go to the comment section in YouTube and put your um, big takeaways because somebody may not be able to read or go through all of this, but maybe they'll read your comment and they'll really get something from your comment. And Lenita actually is, is leading us in doing a raffle um, for, I think it's a $25 gift card um, where she goes through all the people that have made comments. Um, and she's going to post in the, in the Faith Mama's Tribe app, the person that won, um, the person that won the gift card. So make sure you make a comment because you can win a gift card also. Um, but put your questions in the YouTube channel, put your questions in the app, put your questions wherever, and we will tackle them as well. This is obviously something that we need to dig into a little bit more because look, we went an hour and 50 minutes and there's still questions and there's still wonderings and, and things like that. Um, so we will, we will tackle a lot of this. I'll pray and seek the Lord on how we're going to do it. Um, but yeah, what is our stance in the culture? But for right now, you be concerned about God. What are you talking to me about? What are some things that I'm in the bed with that I need to get out of the bed with? Make sure you donate if you can. If this is ministry that you believe in, please um, give so we can continue to do this work. All right. It's an hour and 50 minutes, y'all. We almost went two whole hours in the Bible for a little bitty chapter that just said some names of some kings. Come on. God is so good. All right. I got to go. You got to go. I love y'all. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.